Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we are talking about an intentionally polarizing question. Are working mothers happier? A, because... It's a relevant debate. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even want to say debate. Let's call it a conversation. Because okay. I don't think this is necessarily a... We're not looking for a right or a wrong. We just want to have a conversation. Because this whole working mother versus at-home mother, who is arguably doing just as much, if not more work, um, is is something that came up recently with Anne Romney, wife of Mitt Mitt Romney's yeah. wife, Anne. <laughs> yes, his wife, Anne. Yes. Um, yeah, Bill Maher and a, a Democratic talking head. Hillary Rosen. Hillary Rosen, thank you. We're both uh, touching on the fact that Anne Romney did not have a job outside of the home, and they made some maybe not so sensitive comments about it. And it basically started this huge flap. And now there is an ad uh, that's going to air on Mother's Day by Restore Our Future, which is a super PAC that supports Romney, um, that kind of slams those people on the left for criticizing Anne, who, you know, by saying she's never worked a day in her life, basically. Mm-hmm. And we should say that uh, as we're recording this podcast, Mother's Day has not yet happened. Listeners out there oh, will, will have already experienced <laughs> Mother's Day, and perhaps we'll in the seen future. The, in the future, and we'll have seen this ad. So it'll be, uh, you know, I wish we could go ahead and tell you, current listeners out there, what the future is going to um, respond to it. Thusly, wise. Now I'm just saying words. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it, it's brought up this question of the experiences of working and non-working mothers, and whether or not. One camp is happier than the other, and and it's gone on for so long. And the term that is used often is the mommy wars. And this, what I consider kind of a deplorable phrase, because it it seems kind of diminutive to call a bunch of adult women mommies. Well, and it's also pitting them against each other. I mean, there yes, there is debate over is one better than the other. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, let's not pit women against each other. Right. But nevertheless, the whole mommy wars phrase comes up and we have a 1980 article in Child Magazine to thank for it. Um, And just to back up to add a couple of uh, milestones in working motherhood. In 1960, the first FDA approved birth control pill, Enovid, hit the market and in that year, surprisingly high percentage of moms were already working outside the home. 27.6% of moms with kids under 18 had jobs. So we were not a nation of Betty Drapers. Right. And then moving forward a little bit, in 1964, the Civil Rights Act prohibited employment discrimination based on sex. And so now you have more women in the workplace without threat of discrimination. And, you know, obviously around this time, you have second wave feminism saying, hey, women, we don't need to be chained to our stoves and bound by girdles. Get out of the house. Get yourself a career. Find fulfillment that way. And now we're kind of in what I consider a pretty interesting time where the choices are so much, you know, they're wide open because in one sense, we're seeing a cultural shift back to 
very invested motherhood and this culture of, you know, nurturing woman and, and natural childbirth and raising your children in a very dedicated kind of way. And at the same time, we're seeing the rise of women in terms of out earning men, earning more bachelor's degrees than they are. So this mommy wars debate will never stop. Yeah. But is it even that big of a deal to most people or is it just something that keeps getting batted around in the media? And a 2009 Pew Research Center survey found that only 19 percent of adults thought that married women should stay home. Granted, 19 percent is still more than zero. Uh, they should stay home while the husband acted as sole breadwinner. Granted, this is down from 30% in 1987. And our perceptions about how spouses should contribute to the household income has changed. Um, this is still a little bit dated, but between 1988 and 2002, for instance, the percentage of American adults who thought both spouses should contribute to the household accounts rose from 48% to 57%. And it would be interesting to see how that percentage may have changed probably on the upswing with the recession. Yeah. Well, did your mom... Do both of your parents work outside the home? My mom, growing up, it was sort of a... Hmm, all told, mom was more of the breadwinner, mm-hmm. to be honest. Okay. I mean, both of them were working. There was, when I was pretty young, mom was home um, and homeschooling and all of that. But really, for the majority of my upbringing, she was always working. Yeah, my parents, both of them worked, but I didn't have... I mean, I wasn't a latchkey kid by any means. My parents, because they worked for an airline, my mom is a flight attendant still, and my dad was a pilot, they would always fly opposite schedules. Mm -hmm. So they pretty much worked equally. And my mother is actually more senior in the airline than my father. I'd just like to point that out. Hey, Mom. Congratulations, (laughs) Caroline's mother. Yes, Sally. Well well done, Sally. (laughs) And today, stay-at-home mothers are more the exception than the rule. Um, according to data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics, by 2010, more than 70% of U.S. moms with school-age children worked outside of the home. And the proportion of working moms is the highest at 75% among unmarried women who double as heads of household. Right. And on a personal note, and then we'll get back to some statistics, uh, I mean, I've, I've thought a lot about this. Obviously, I am, I'm not a mother, so this is not, you know, an immediately relevant choice that I have to make. But when I'm, uh, on a work day, if I'll see a mom out with her kids, half of me says, well, that seems great. You know, I enjoy spending time with my nieces and nephews. That seems like a really fun full-time job. And then I come to work and I'm like, man, I could never leave this. So I can only imagine that for, on an individual basis, this whole mommy war thing is, you know, it's it's got to be tough well, for women. I think it's it's so much created from the outside, not from within, because uh, one of my very best girlfriends is a mom. Oh, and he's just having his first birthday next weekend. I'm very excited. Anyway, um, she loves her job as a teacher, loves it, loves it, loves it. However, she said that if she were able to, she would love to stay home with him instead of going to work. Now, this is a woman who, because she teaches very small children, used to assign herself essays to write on books because she was not as mentally challenged as she had been in college and grad school. <laughs> so I'm wondering how successful she would be and happy she would be at home. But, I mean, it's it's really so much more of a personal choice. Absolutely. And we are intentionally leaving 
men largely out of this conversation. I mean, we can talk about stay-at-home dads. Guys, uh, your participation at home has skyrocketed. Since 1965, dads' participation with child care has increased threefold. Um, and, and men are also struggling with their own kinds of work-family balances. But let's get back to this working mom debate. Right. Yeah. I keep calling it a debate. I'm breaking my own rule. Okay. Conversation. Conversation. Discussion. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, briefcase or no, moms are doing most of the work at home still. And uh, according to a University of Wisconsin national survey of families and households from 2008, working full-time moms put in an average of 28 hours of housework each week versus 16 hours per week for working husbands. And this leads us to talking about the second shift. Yes, the second shift is a term coined by sociologist Arlie Hochschild in 1989. Um, and she came up with this idea because she was working um, as a professor and there wasn't enough childcare for her. So she'd take her kid with her to work sometimes and was basically pulling her hair out out of the two full-time jobs that she had. So there's this whole notion that when women go to work, they're completing their first shift, they get off the clock, they come home and they enter the second shift. Right. And something that slightly contradicts with that idea is uh, this is more data from the Bureau of Labor and Statistics from 2010 that showed that the total amount of work that women and men do each day combining work at a job and work at home, it's pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. They found that men work about eight hours and 11 minutes a day, whereas women work about eight hours and three minutes. So very, very small difference there. But nevertheless, we are putting in a lot of time with childcare, household duties, all of that off the clock. Um, and I thought it was interesting that sociologist Suzanne Bianchi's analysis of couples' time diary data from 2003 to 2005 found only a 10-hour difference in the amount of household and childcare work that non-working mothers did compared to women employed outside of the home. Yeah, and part of this, you know, it it seems surprising. You would think that a mother staying home would be spending more time. But this is part of a trend of upper middle class moms being part of this intensive parenting idea, or as uh, sociologist Annette LaRue calls it, concerted cultivation, which basically means that the parent, in this case the upper middle class mother, uh, is aggressively grooming kids for social success and kind of teasing out their talents by putting them in lots of classes, taekwondo, piano, ballet, whatever. And on the extreme end of that, we might uh, you know, think of Amy Chua, a.k.a. the tiger mom, who caused that huge kerfuffle with her book talking about how she you know, so rigorously raised her daughters who are now headed for Ivy League schools. Um, and yeah, that's the question. Like, career moms are incredibly stressed out. We're all stressed out, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also the question of whether or not, to some extent, are we doing this to ourselves? Are we trying to mold these unrealistically perfect, and perfect in quotes, lives, bring home exorbitant amounts of money, feeling fulfilled in that way, keeping our bodies fit and healthy and, you know, pleasing our partners and also raising these like blue ribbon children. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of work. Blue ribbon children. I like that. Um, well, a 2010 article in New York Magazine touched on this. It, well, it was, it was more focused on does parenting make you, does parenting itself make you happy or not? And they pointed out that children 
of women with bachelor's degrees spend almost five hours on organized activities per week as opposed to children of high school dropouts who spend two. That might not seem like a huge division, but when you think about women with super-duper high-power jobs and then coming home to spend even more time with their kid, you know, waiting for them in a waiting room of a dance studio or whatever... That's a lot of time taken out. And maybe, you know, I'm sure that you could also say, well, it's completely worth it when you are totally in love with your child because it's your child. But nevertheless, we're talking statistics here. And not surprisingly, a 2005 Pew Research Center survey found that working moms feel a lot more rushed throughout their day than non-working moms. But the thing is... It seems like, if we're talking about are working mothers happier than non-working mothers, statistically, full-time, not necessarily. Like 40 hours a week, no, but a little bit of work. (laughs) Goldilocks work. Yeah. Just the right amount of work. Just enough work does a mother good. Yeah, a t- uh, 2011 UNC Greensboro study found that uh, those with part-time jobs are subjectively happier than those without jobs or with full-time jobs. And this is sort of in line with the January 2012 Rutgers University study that agreed that flexible work options do allow that work-life balance. So if you work part-time a couple days a week or a couple hours a day, you still get to go home have dinner on the table for your child, you know, play games with them or whatever. But then you get to go and have mommy time at work, frankly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it allows for individuation that some full-time moms feel robbed of because a lot of their, you know, all of their time is absorbed by kids. But, you know, at the same time, women who are not working outside of the home can still have plenty of other, you know, non, uh, I guess, paying ways to cultivate their interest and give back to communities. And so we're not saying that stay-at-home moms are just sitting on their hands all day. But I do think it says something that a little bit of time outside of the home doing some work, earning some money makes us feel good. It just I think it does make a lot of people feel good. Not to mention you get to talk to adults. It's true. (laughs) But well, depending on where you work, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Unless you work maybe (laughs) at a preschool. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, Bianchi, who we mentioned earlier, and two other sociologists, John Robinson and Melissa Milkey, wrote Changing Rhythms of American Family Life, which that uh, New York Magazine article refers to as data porn, because it's just so many statistics, uh, found that all parents today do spend more time with their children than they did in 1975, including mothers, in spite of the rush of women into the American workforce back when the study started. And that's something that we need to remember. I think we often put, and I say we as though I'm part of the parental collective out there, but it seems like there is a lot of societal pressure placed on parents today to to be 100% focused on their kids all the time when, hey, we're actually doing a pretty good job of that. Yeah, don't beat yourself up. And with the recession, though, this whole to work or not to work issue might just be a completely moot point because, hey, you know what? You got to put food on the table somehow. So the question is, if you bring extra money in, at least does that buy you some happiness? Surely it does. Surely it does, right? I don't know. Well, not so much. Uh, a 2003 meta-analysis by W. Keith Campbell and Jean Twenge found that married couples' overall marriage sac- satisfaction went down 
if they had kids. And each successive generation since the 70s, leading up to us now, Kristen, has been more put out, they, they say, by having kids than the last. And part of this has to do with as we go along down the decades, we are waiting longer to have kids. So we're more secure in our employment. Maybe we've been at our jobs longer or we have higher paying jobs. And so Twinge frames it in not so nice a way. Go ahead and go ahead and spill it. <laughs> she said, "Now you know what you're giving up." So basically, with the whole money aspect, Campbell and Twenge are arguing that if you quote unquote do things the right way, you know, you, you set up your nice little nest egg, you get yourself your sweet job, and you and your whoever go on some sweet vacays. Because you're waiting to have a kid until you've got that nice nest egg yeah. tucked away. Mm-hmm. And then Junior comes along <laughs> and 3 a.m. feedings and you're like, oh, I miss that sweet vacay. Yeah. Good. I miss 3 a.m. being when I was awake drinking. Oh. Now, again, to parents out there, <laughs> let us continue to reiterate the fact that we are speaking in uh, the words of that sociologist, data porn. Yeah. This doesn't take into account the nuance of, and, and value and fulfillment. Sure. Of parenthood. Well, I I think, I mean, I think my brother and his wife are a very good example of that exact thing. My brother loves his children, loves his children, those little bundles of joy. Um, but right after my nephew was born, we, we went out to lunch and dad gets up and goes to the counter and my brother and I are sitting there with the baby in the little baby carrier thing. Mm -hmm. And he looks at me and he goes, Caroline. If you ever decide to have children and get married, enjoy your spouse for a long time. Go out to parties with your friends, drink wine, go to movies that aren't children's movies, because all of a sudden that's all going to be gone. And I was terrified. Terrified, I tell you. I think I was like 19. Still no kids or husbands. I see. (laughs) I know. I I like wine and movies. Um, It was just a great Kathy comic image in my head. But the question is, you're talking about the bundles of joy. Hey, you know who we have not talked about, really, in this whole conversation? We're just like, me, me, me. What about the kids? Oh, yeah, what about the kids? You know, mom, mom's stressed out, dad's stressed out. Are the kids going to fare okay if we are working? If we are not home doing whatever, what have you, are the kids going to be all right? Well, yeah, I mean, it seems like except for a basic tiny little gap at the very beginning where they're not not that they're doing terribly. They eventually turn out fine. That's the end of the story. Oh, <laughs> that was a shaky. Yeah, it was a tenuous. Yes. Well, it's the same thing. We talked about something like this in our only child podcast mm-hmm. that, you know, only children, they have that little gap when they first get to school, but then they get socialized and they're fine. It's really the same thing with uh, with kids of of who have working parents. A 2010 meta-analysis of child development literature from the American Psychological Association found no long-term adverse effects of mom's employment. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, aside from, you know, some developmental gaps at the beginning, by adolescence, you know, I mean, (laughs) kids will be kids anyway. Yeah. That adolescent brain is going to go crazy on its own, whether mom is working or not, because the prefrontal cortex has yet to fully develop. (laughs) That's another podcast. (laughs) So... As moms and dads are completely stressing themselves out over making enough money, enjoying life, drinking that wine when they can grab a glass, the kids are going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, just don't leave them alone. I was, I spent a lot of time alone as a child. 
I guess I did too at some point. Well, I was old enough to, it didn't matter, I guess. Not as a child, not as a baby. They didn't like leave me alone next to a stove that was turned on or anything. I mean, that said, I don't know that I am the poster child (laughs) of like normal adult development, you know, because I'd make all those weird voices. Oh, people love stuff. At least you don't say if you will anymore, right? <laughs> On the podcast, anyway. Watch out. We'll try. Uh, so the whole question. Get back to our original question: Are working mothers happier? Yeah, not really. I mean, we're all kind of stressed out. We all spend a lot of time with our kids, which is great. And again, by we, I don't include myself because that's impossible right now. Um, and it seems like a little bit of work outside the home does give us a little bit of a. A bit of a boost. Yeah. But since neither you nor I can speak directly to this issue, working moms, non-working moms, dads, anybody. Kids who are left home alone right now. Yeah. Kids, yeah, kids with working moms. I know you're listening. We've heard from you. Let us know. I mean, do you think that it are, is your life better for working moms out there? Is your life better by your job? Do you wish that you could stay home? Do you have that guilt? You know? I think that this is a very relevant topic that could use a lot of level-headed discussion outside of the whole media mommy wars. Yeah, I mean, because it's all it's all value judgments. It's it's all what works for you and your family, and so we do. We want to know what works for you. Mm-hmm. So let us know your thoughts. Mom stuff at discovery dot com is where you can send them, and you can also post a comment on Facebook or tweet us at Mom Stuff Podcast. In the meantime, we got a couple letters here to read. Well, I've got an email here from Jessica in response to our episode on age gaps in relationships. And she writes, I'm in a relationship with a man 20 years older than me. We're definitely on the outer edge of the statistics. We've been together for four years and it has been absolutely fantastic. It took me a while to decide if the backlash would be worth it, but it has turned out just peachy. I still agree with your point on generation gaps and looking for different things in life. But from my experience, as long as what you're looking for complements the other person, it's not much of an issue. He's not quite in the December of life yet, but I do worry sometimes about the point when our age difference will become a true challenge. We were at Best Buy and I made a comment about him not wanting to buy things online and the employee said, yeah, well, you know how parents can be. I literally fell on the floor laughing. The employee looked like a deer in the headlights and apologized multiple times. I'm not easily embarrassed and try not to take myself too seriously, so I just laugh about it. Overall, we just mesh so well. The issues caused by age are worth it because I'm spending my life with someone I can't imagine living without. That does sound quite peachy, Jessica. Okay, I have an email here from Daniel about chivalry. He says that he loved the episode, but, and there's always a but, isn't there? I see chivalry a little differently. I believe that the chivalrous or courteous actions from men toward women can be decidedly harmful. I'm sure you're aware of the objection against chivalry and even general courtesy, that when men open doors for women or pay for dinner, that it is oftentimes the extent of the male's involvement in the relationship. It's not that these actions are wrong in and of themselves. Feminists have an issue with the action if a man opens a door to help a woman but is absent in child-rearing or house-cleaning, or if a man will pick up a check but not be emotionally or spiritually present in the relationship. As a male feminist, I still do the courteous actions for my wife or other women and men in public, but as I do them, I am reminded that this needs to not be the extent of my involvement and effort, especially in my marriage. Thanks, Daniel. And I I think... 
think it's nice to open the door for people. I open the door for men mm-hmm. if they're behind me or, you know, whatever. Um, but I do not like it when men pull my chair out at dinner. Because then I, I don't know how to sit down without, you know, I'm like, oh, when are they going to scoot it in? Am I going to fall? It's like a trust fall that's before the, dinner. That's the thing. It's not the chivalry aspect. It's the fact that I am an awkward scooter. You have to scoot <laughs> scoot the chair in. And a lot of times I'll, I'll like, not pick my my butt up soon enough. And I'm an absolute, just, no, I, I, I was on a date and the guy pulled my chair out, but I didn't know that's what he was doing. And so I was like, oh, I guess he's sitting there. And so I went around to the other side of the table and he and the waiter were just looking at me. That's why you should only have dates at bars so you can just stand at the bar. It's not, I'll not keep that in mind. Thank you. Fall over. All right. Well, with that, again, our email address is momstuffatdiscovery.com. We definitely want to hear from you moms and dads out there. And you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at momstuffpodcast. And you can read the article... Our Working Mother's Happier by, well, it's by me, Kristen Conger. You can find it at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you